Hello and welcome to the Pre-Game Huddle Podcast. My name is John Thomas Step, along with Aaron Frazier today, uh, bringing you all of your college football needs for this weekend. Um, Aaron, glad to have you back on the pod after your week hiatus. Thank you. I appreciate it. Needed a little break as the semester was getting started. Oh, yeah. Uh, definitely school getting picked up. Um, but, yeah, let's, let's, get, let's get right into it. Uh, from last week, let's talk about a couple games uh, that really stood out. Um, let's go to number one team in the country, Georgia dismantling South Carolina. Um, South Carolina was by some projected to be second in the SEC East, uh, especially after acquiring uh, Spencer Rattler this offseason. Um, what impressed you about Georgia's win and what kind of you if you're a South Carolina fan? Yeah, I mean, really, Stetson Bennett, uh, he, was, he was the biggest takeaway for me in terms of, you know, just how impressive Georgia was. Um, just his ability to move the ball, really dictate an offense, and uh, just control the pace in a game. He's a little bit more than a game manager now, and I think people are starting to realize that. But the offense is humming. They've really identified themselves as they're going to run some two, three tight end sets, and they're going to either run the ball down your throat or they're going to be able to you know, put the ball in Brock Bauer's hands and be able to control the game. So. Uh, I think they've got their key players they're going to focus in on for the whole year. And I just really, quite honestly, don't know who's going to stop the six, seven, six, nine Giants that they got uh, playing in the tight end position and Darnell Washington and Brock Bowers. And then you also got a Reed Gilbert. But Stetson Bennett has looked phenomenal. Uh, I don't think South Carolina threw anything at him that surprised him. And quite honestly, the talent gap was, and I think some of it was coaching as well, on Shane Beamer's position, but the talent gap, it was, it was absurd when you're watching the game. Uh, Spencer Rattler, he looked rattled, um, you know, unironically. I mean, he, he looked really bad. He didn't look great the week before throwing two interceptions, but uh, this week he, he threw another two interceptions, and he, it, just, it really looks like the team, just in, in terms of their body language, doesn't really believe in him. Uh, and and I know it's only been three weeks into the season, but you know, forty-eight to seven beat down uh, to the number one team in the nation. And people will say, "Oh, look at Oregon; they've turned it around and stuff." I don't think South Carolina has that same uh, genetic in them to be able to turn it around like Oregon has done the past couple weeks. And uh, I think I think South Carolina is going to have a very long season. They already have a tough schedule ahead of them, and I think it's only going to get more difficult for them. Yeah, I just think the only thing with Georgia, I know they can run the ball, but I think choosing to run the ball, I think, will make them even more complete. I agree. But, I mean, I, I'm glad, you know, that their, you know, quarterback play is obviously Stetson Bennett has put it in a whole nother level. But if he's your leading rusher every week, you could get beat. Uh, yeah, and, and I can understand, you know, the first few weeks of the season, you're wanting to see what you got on the field, and you're really wanting to try out, especially against, you know, we'll just call it how it is. South Carolina is not um, going to be a top competition that Georgia plays this year, even though they're in the SEC, but it's good to test that against SEC competition and be able to see, okay, this is what we can do. We know we can always come back to the run game. Uh, but we want to see what we can establish up front. And obviously they're able to hang up 48 points on them pretty, pretty easily. So 
I think the run game will come. Uh, I just think they want to hang their hat on something when, you know, the, the sledding gets tough to do uh, later on in the season. Yeah, definitely. I um, I just was shocked that they only ran uh, for the 36 yards as far as that being their leading rusher. Yeah. Uh, when you win by 41 as the number one team in the country, uh, typically you run for a little bit more than that. But that's not a uh, – that's not a knock. Uh, that's just kind of, like you said, they'll develop it over the season. Um, another impressive win, I know Nebraska's in shambles really, but, I mean, Oklahoma beat the crap out of them. Um, the whole Nebraska's offense isn't that good is not true. Uh, their offense has been really good. The defense had let them down completely. But to only give up 14 points, I mean, they're, they've got a whole nother identity with Brent Venables as far as trying to play defense. Um, and I was listening uh, and watching uh, a show the other day, and they were talking about Oklahoma can win national championships if they keep up the defensive side of the ball. Their offense has always been there, but their defense has been borderline top 40. And if you're not in the top 40 ranking on off on defense – there's only been two national championships in the last 15 years that they've won. And that's Cam Newton's Auburn where the offense was ridiculous and LSU's, you know, offense, you know, those are the only two teams. Which has, which has two of arguably, arguably the best NFL receivers that was on that roster, which is crazy to think about. Well, and two of the best quarterbacks who've played college football in the last 15 years. Um, So that is what you need to overcome the defense from, you know, historically. So if you can move your defense into a top 30 while also mixing it with a top five, top 10, you know, offense, you can win games and you can win big games instead of getting blown out. Um, What did you, um, what do you think about Oklahoma as far as the first three weeks? Well, so far, I think the marriage between Dylan Gabriel and Brett Venables has is, is been amazing. I think it's been a lot better than ex, than expected, um, which is great. You know, Dylan Gabriel's been in a college system, you know, at UCF for some time. He knows what he needs to do on offense to be able to get wins in big games. And I'm, I'm glad that he's able to come to a Power 5 conference to where he's able to showcase that on national stage with a top 10 team. Brett Venables, we've always known he's been a phenomenal coach. He's been with Dabo Sweeney over at Clemson for some time. And I think having a coach with as great as a defensive identity as he has set in Clemson and bringing that over to Oklahoma, I think they're going to be a powerhouse for the next you know, foreseeable future. I think it was a great hire on their part. Uh, it really looks like they haven't missed a beat, um, even though they had you know transfers this off season. They're still able to retain a bulk, uh, a bulk of their offense and defense. And I think Brett Venables was the perfect guy to slide in there. And you can just see this team is unfazed uh, coming into Nebraska. You know, you kind of expect emotions to be high for this Nebraska team, and especially when you had Nick. I think it's Nick uh, Henrich, the middle linebacker coming back from Nebraska. Uh, I really expected him. You know, he's a really good plug-and-play player. The whole team loves him. Um, it, it, he, he understands, you know, where to line up everyone in defense. And I really thought that was going to help them out. But, you know, as soon as you see Dylan Gabriel, you know, rip like a 68-yard touchdown run, 
on, on what seemed to be, you know, way too easy. That's when you kind of saw the writing on the wall a little bit. But uh, Oklahoma is trending up. I think they're well-deserved. They're well-deserving of that sixth-ranked spot in the nation right now. And I think the projection for this team is they can only get better. Uh, Eric Gray put, you know, 11 carries, 113 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, I think their their identity is really setting up well for the play-action pass, which Dylan Gabriel, you know, thrives on. And I just think this team is only going to project to be better and better. Yeah, um, it's really just going to be like we talked about, if the defense can hold up. I think the offense exactly. will be there. Um, but I do think, obviously, having Venables as your – head coach along with a really good offensive mind and Jeff Levy you know he Mm -hmm. really had a good year uh, with Ole Miss last year obviously not calling the plays but he is a great offensive mind he's had a lot of time with Dylan Gabriel between UCF and then this year at Oklahoma Um, and I mean it should make it should make you know Oklahoma fans feel better I mean Mark Whipple's not a bad play caller by any means i mean nebraska's been able to put up points they haven't been able to stop people so only allowing them to 14 points in an away game i think is and i, I know people will be like well they're one and three but still nebraska you know if casey thompson he's a good quarterback they have players to put up points so only allowing them to 14 i think uh is is another good uh milestone that oklahoma's done defensively for sure and i mean they're definitely trending toward becoming an sec program as far as the identity of really good on defense and really good on offense. Yeah. Uh, they're straying away from winning shootouts. They went, and that's what me and Cody talked about last week is, you know, Brent Venables is fine with winning a game 24 to 10. Yeah. Like he's fine with winning every game 24 to 10, 21 to 7. You know, he would rather give up 10 points every week than have to score 60 to win. And that is and that is the identity of more of a Nick Saban, Kirby Smart method uh, as far as we want to give up the least amount of points, but we also want to have an offense that can put up 50 points if we need to. Um, so let's, let's talk about one more game from last week, and then we'll get into the <clears throat> games for this week. BYU-Oregon, uh, Oregon, really good bounce back, um, you know, the last couple weeks, beating BYU. Um, BYU kind of struggled getting going, um, and obviously, you know, Oregon played really good. Um, Bo Nix, only five incompletions, two touchdowns. Um, I'll get your opinion, but I really think the pass defense has got to get better for Oregon if they are going to expect to win games. Uh, you know, Hall throws for 305 yards and two touchdowns. Um, but obviously developing the running game for Oregon was a um, was definitely on the plate, and they did it uh, with 97 yards from their leading running back. Um, but what did you uh, kind of see Oregon? I know Bo Nix looked a lot better, but what do you need to see from them to be contenders in the Pac-12? Yeah, I mean – First off, we're talking about BYU's quarterback, Jared Hall. I think he's going. He's a legitimate NFL prospect. Um, he he's got all the tools, and he makes terrific. You know, he's he's got a terrific arm. So I'm not going to discount that. You know, I I know he was out with a couple of receivers for this game, and the defense wasn't you know uh, up to par for BYU, and they definitely weren't ready 
for this game. Um, but in terms of, you know, just how Oregon played as a whole, they, they looked ready. I've never seen – I think Bo Nix has to be the most polarizing, you know, player in college football where you can go out there and throw four interceptions or four touchdowns. And sometimes it changes within, you know, halves or quarters or drives. Uh, we just see a Bo Nix pretty much – a different Bo Nix every play. And, you know, fortunately he was able to put it together for you know, primarily the majority of the whole game this week. You know, 222 yards, two touchdowns, 13 of 18 passing. He was able to actually – get a couple rushing touchdowns, but I think Oregon looked a lot more comfortable. And part of that is being at home and them retaining their win streak at home. But it, it's, it's great for them to beat a top 15 team. And BYU is just coming off a really emotional win and double overtime against Baylor. I think Oregon's trending up a little bit. They're definitely not at the level of some of the top 10 teams in the nation, and I think that was identified in week one. I don't think week one was considered a quote-unquote fluke by any means. I think they're legitimately not as talented as some of these other teams. But at the same time, I I think they could definitely make a run at the Pac-12. My my favorite team in the Pac-12, we've talked about a little bit, but it's it's Washington. I think the Washington Huskies with Michael Penix Jr., I just don't really think – that uh, I don't think Utah or Oregon are going to be able to play with them. Uh, I think Washington is a legitimately underrated team that could go out there and, you know, win double-digit games this year. But uh, the Pac-12 is starting to look better. It's looking a lot better than people expected. But good for Oregon getting this win. Yeah, Oregon definitely uh, has looked better. The um, And like you talked about, Washington. Washington gets a really easy schedule. <laughs> They yeah. only play that at Oregon, and that is the only team left on their uh, schedule who's ranked. Uh, they do not play USC. They do not play Utah. Um, undefeated is in in you know in their vision uh, at UCLA next week will be a tough game. Um, obviously, night game. Um, and then I had Oregon. I mean, they play, you know, Colorado's worst team in football. Cal is not very good. Um, Arizona is not great. ASU just fired Herm Edwards. Um, Stanford is obviously always a tricky game, but um, Washington does look really good. Um, let's let's jump to this week. Um, we'll go to probably the based off ranking the second biggest game of the week, but where game day will be Florida, Tennessee. Um, I don't think Florida's the 20th ranked team in the country. Um, I think they're borderline top 25. Um, Anthony Richardson obviously is electric, but he's not thrown any touchdown passes. Um, he just, they should have lost last week. If the hold, at the end of the game is anywhere near clean. That kid yep. makes it. I mean, they win, and it's. I don't think there's any debating that. Um, you know, when you've only thrown for 423 yards in three games, um, you know, and you and you won. Uh, your defense won you the Utah game. Your offense did not win you the Utah game. Uh, as much as people want to say, you know, Anthony Richardson, they just jumped in on his Heisman thing way too early. Um, he's in a game where he's the second best quarterback. Um, you know, obviously 
it'll be interesting from what I've read, Cedric Tillman's probably not going to play, but he might. Um, I think that's a big step for Tennessee. Tennessee needs um, as many reps as possible uh, for Tillman and Hooker. I mean, obviously, they've had a really good connection. Um, but, you know, guys like Hyatt will step up and Brew McCoy. But um, what do you need to see for Tennessee to win? And then what do you need to see – from Anthony Richardson as far as what's a good performance for him against a top, probably a top 10 team in the country. Well, I'd actually prefer if Tillman probably doesn't play. Um, I know that sounds weird coming from a huge Tennessee fan, but uh, Tillman being at the game against Akron, just the way he came down, uh, I don't think he's going to be, you know, he might be between 16, 8%. We have a bye week after this week. I'd rather just rest him up and uh, have him ready for LSU because the bottom line is we got Brew McCoy. We got Jalen Hyatt. I'd slide Brew McCoy over, leave Jalen Hyatt because he's looked great in the wide receiver two position. And we got Ramel Keaton, who's been in the system for three, four years. Walker Merrill, who did great in uh, spring camp and has really taken another step forward. You got Jimmy Holiday, who's the kick returner, who is able to do you know shallow cross routes or whole nine yards. Uh, Jimmy Callaway. I mean, we got a boundless. We got tons of guys that could fill in that role um, at the wide receiver three position if we needed to move Brew McCoy over to the wide receiver one position. And uh, quite frankly, I'm not scared of this Florida secondary. I think this is one of the worst secondaries they've probably had the past decade. Might be the worst secondary they've had the past decade. Very young. Um, and they got a couple transfers. But they have not looked the part. Uh, it scares me seeing Bleacher Report put out there that they think that Tennessee's going to win 38-17 because this game is going to be a very emotional game. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be a, a gritty win. Uh, I think Tennessee, if they can still go out there and execute, I think they are the better team. And I think this is one of the few teams where Tennessee has more depth than the other team. I think Florida, beyond their starting course, especially on defense, is very thin. And I think it's going to show as Tennessee is going to start gassing them out in the second half. But uh, obviously, I'd, I'd love for this game to be a breeze. I don't think it will be so. Uh, we know how this always goes when Tennessee plays a quarterback that's been struggling at Florida or a backup quarterback. So I know it's a new regime. It's a new era with Josh Heupel. But I think the key for, for Tennessee is to be able to establish the run game, to set up the passing game. Uh, Florida's got some good you know, linebackers. And Jabari Small is apparently 100% ready to go. But he and Jalen Wright and Dylan Sampson – well, I guess Dylan Sampson's not playing, but he and Jalen Wright have got to be ready to go and be able to establish the running game, you know, four or five yards uh, a carry because that's going to open up the passing game and that's going to allow Hinton Hooker to be very comfortable. In terms of defensively for Tennessee, stack the box, force Anthony Richardson to throw. Uh, I want to see him try and make a big throw at a packed house of over 100,000 people. Um, and I know people will be like, oh, well, he did it against, you know, Utah and stuff. The past couple weeks can really rattle a quarterback that hasn't thrown a passing touchdown and has two pick sixes to his name. Um, that can do a lot to a quarterback. And I'm not even going to say that Kentucky really threw a lot at him. Uh, I really don't think they did. Uh, I don't think South Florida did either, and he didn't play well against them. So I think if we can contain Anthony Richardson, then I think the secondary can hold up. And the secondary of Tennessee has already exceeded expectations a little bit. 
So I think I think it's only going to improve from there. Yeah, I think, and you can disagree with me, but I don't. I think if Heupel doesn't beat him this year, he'll never beat Florida. Um, I think this year is prime for them to get back on track in the rivalry, as far as kind of establishing dominance um, this year to set up for the future. Um, I think it'll be a really good game. I really like Billy Napier. I really like what he's doing. They weren't expected to win a bunch of games this year. I mean, six and six, seven and five is a good year for a first-year head coach who came into a pretty not great situation. Um, Anthony Richardson obviously has looked good in times. He's looked really bad at times. Um, But like you said with Cedric Tillman, I agree. Um, When you play – you know, three, you're going to play three top 10 teams in four weeks. I mean, that's yeah. the bottom line. You're going to play the number one and the number two team in the country, and you're probably going to possibly play a top five team in Kentucky. Uh, not saying they are a top five team, but the, they might be ranked in the top five after at that point. Um, and that's also saying the same thing for Tennessee. That Tennessee-Alabama game could easily be two versus eight, two versus seven uh, between now in the next four weeks. It could be that. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, obviously game day being there, the atmosphere is going to be just unmatched. Um, ticket prices are absolutely insane. Hey, I'll, I'll be at college game day. You'll be looking for me on TV. Yeah, we – uh, I might be going down there, but we got to figure that out. So um, let's talk about the early game, um, where I thought game day might head, um, but they didn't. Obviously, they headed to Tennessee. Uh, Clemson, Wake Forest. Uh, Clemson still has a lot of questions on offense. Not very good. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really see what's – because, you know, Sam Hartman has – thrown has played two games like he's played two games and he has thrown for 30 less yards than dj and that's just not just not where you want to be uh obviously will shipley is a very good running back and can definitely take it with you take him and put your team on your back but i don't i don't think they look very good i don't think wake's defense can beat clemson um I think Clemson's offense will have to beat themselves because I think they can put up a lot of points because Wake's defense is not very good. Um, what do you need for Clemson? Um, and what do you need to see for them to continue to carry that number five distinction uh, for their team? Yeah, I think right now DJ is perceived as a game manager. Um, they definitely didn't play great last week against Louisiana Tech, they were up 13-6, I believe, at halftime. And I saw the student section was storming the field after they won 42-20 to against Louisiana Tech. One, I don't think Brett Venables would – I think he would retire if he, uh, if he was the defensive coordinator for Clemson and gave up 20 points to Louisiana Tech. But that's just set for another day. But the offense is – once they start playing some actual competition, it's going to be tested. And I don't think DJ is going to be able to know how to respond to it. Um, he did last year, and he hasn't shown me that he's taken any steps in the offseason to be able to um, make the right reads 
and be able to put the team on his shoulders and be able to go and get points when they're needed um, this year. I don't think he's been able to show that at all. And, you know, he hasn't faced the competition yet, so I guess I, I can't, you know, give a great um, great estimate for how I project he's going to be this year quite yet. But uh, we'll just call it how it is. They're going to be playing an undefeated you know, 21st-ranked team in the nation, Defense is going to have to step up a lot more than it did last week because Wake Forest will hang up 70-plus points. And I don't think they'll do it on Clemson, but they can do it on, you know, a lot of great teams that we have in the nation right now. But defensively, you're right. Wake Forest doesn't have a great defense. But it'll be interesting to me if it does go in a, into a shootout to see mentally how DJ responds. Because uh, I, I could see him trying to force a few passes <laughs> I think and get, get into trouble when he doesn't need to when he has a five-yard check down right in front of him. Yeah. I mean, you'll figure out a lot about this Clemson team in three out of the next four weeks. Uh, you know, Boston College is a sneaky game. They haven't looked very good yet. But they play, you know, Wake Forest, NC State, Boston College, Florida State in four weeks. No buys. Four weeks, that schedule. Um, we're going to learn a lot about Florida State between now and then. We're going to learn about NC State this week and then next week. Um, NC State hasn't looked very good, but that'll be a topic for another day. Um, but, yeah, we're going to learn a lot about Clemson, and we're also going to learn a lot about Wake Forest and if they're going to be a contender in the ACC after this week. I, th- I think if Jordan Travis for FSU, if he is back by the time they play Clemson, FSU wins that game. Oh, for sure. Uh, for sure. I I don't disagree with that, and I'd like to meet somebody who would disagree with that. I, I think Florida State's finally – Norvell finally has found uh, a combination of players to win games. Um, people don't understand program building. Um, you know, obviously he did not exceed expectations and obviously struggled the first couple of years. But you got to get that identity. You have to find that identity. And um, I was watching this show this week, and they're talking about there's three steps, or there's four steps to program building. There's losing big, there's losing close, there's winning close, and then there's blowing out. Because they were talking about Kansas. And Kansas has been killed. Then last year they started – losing close they started winning close and now they're at a point where they could win big if everything clicked um and that's a you know that's a step that you have to take in program building um yeah so i i think that'll be uh really interesting um as we go into this week um kind of watching that and keeping up with jordan travis um, all right, let's talk about two more games and then we'll, uh, we'll wind down, uh, talking about Arizona state job. Um, let's touch on Arkansas, Texas A&M, Arkansas avoided disaster last week. Texas A&M got a good win, looked terrible, got outgained by like 250 yards. Um, they've struggled to put up any yards. They've not looked good. And now they're the favorite at home at 7 o'clock against top 10 team in the country, which is just disaster, uh, dumpster fire if you're Texas A&M. They lose this week. They could be in really bad shape. Uh, the schedule does not get any easier. 
Um, they get, you know, Arkansas this week and then a sneaky game against Mississippi State. And then they get Alabama. And then they play Ole Miss, Florida, Auburn, and then LSU to end the, get, end the year. And they could go 8-4 just as easy as they could go, you know, 10-2. and two. Um, What have you seen from Arkansas? What have you seen from Texas A&M? And then what do you need to see as far as this game goes for <laughs> both these teams to get a win? Yeah, in my opinion, these are two teams that are pretenders. Uh, I think Texas A&M is trending – in a uh, is projecting a little bit higher than Arkansas, especially after the win last week. Very gritty win against Miami, where Texas A&M did not play their best. I think Miami is a legitimate top twenty, top fifteen team in the nation, especially with talent. And Texas A&M won a gritty game, and that that shows a lot. That uh, and and Jimbo Fisher is able to say, "Hey, Haynes King, five star quarterback, you're done. We're bringing in Max Johnson, guy that has some experience, to be able to go out there and win the game." And Max didn't have the best stats that you would like to see from an SEC caliber quarterback, but he went out there, he made the right reads, and he got the win for the team. And I think that's going to be the same story for this game. Uh, so if you're going to take the over-under on points, take the under. Whatever the <laughs> – whatever the, it's uh, – 48 and a half. 48 and a half, yeah, you take the under. Um, just because I think it's going to be a really gritty game. Uh, Arkansas, I, they almost lost an FCS team last week, which – I really didn't see coming, but it, it just shows they have a lot of glaring holes. They didn't put up 21 points the fourth quarter. But, um, I mean, Bobby Petrino, though, baby. Bobby Petrino. <laughs> Thank you for that. You know, that would have been awesome if he would have come into, come into Arkansas and beat him. Uh, that would have been, that would have been awesome. Yeah, and he almost did. But yeah. Sam Pittman, they, they got some work they got to do. Uh, I don't know if KJ is quite 100% ready to go. I think teams are starting to figure him out a little bit, KJ Jefferson. I love him. I think he's a great player, but teams are starting to figure out this Arkansas offense a little bit. And then when you do that and you, you're you keeping your defense on the field a lot, uh, they don't have quite the depth of some of these other SEC teams, especially for a top-10 team in the nation. And it started to show a little bit. Uh, people were throwing things at him. So I think Texas A&M, just the amount of talent they have, I think, and the depth that they have, I think it's going to overload Arkansas a little bit. And especially if it does become just a ground-and-pound type of game, I think Texas A&M has the advantage. But uh, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I could see it being something around you know, 24-17, maybe 20-13, to 13, something like that. But I do expect Texas A&M to uh, you know, have some – uh, I think I think they're going to build upon the win they had last week and be able to go out there and execute a little bit better than they might have uh, against Appy State. But that's just me. Not a lot of people might agree with that. I think Texas A&M is getting better, and Arkansas is is trending down. So, yeah, I think Arkansas is probably a number twenty team in the country. I think they're good, but and they're well coached. Um, Texas A&M is probably a top 15 team in the country, probably 15. Um, I agree with that. They, they're they trending up, but I don't – and, you know, they're one year away. Like, both of those teams that played last week, Miami, Texas A&M, they are one year – they need one year. Uh, all those freshmen that, you know, Jimbo brought in, you know, you can expect a lot from those five stars, but it usually takes them 
you know, six, seven, eight games or even a whole year to get really, you know, acclimated to college football, especially big time SEC college football. Um, and I think next year, Texas A&M, it would be a realistic uh, expectations for them to be a top six, seven team in the country. Um, yeah, it was a little premature for them to be ranked six coming into this year. Next year, six is a very reasonable re- ranking. Uh, but I would agree with that. They'll probably be ranked third <laughs> or something yeah. after this year. Um, all right, let's talk about one Big Ten game and then a couple of Pac-12 storylines, and then we'll sign off. Um, Ohio State, Wisconsin. Wisconsin um, obviously struggled a little bit. Uh, Washington State beats them. Um, but Washington State is undefeated. Um, weird kind of way that works. Um, they've got to establish the run game. I mean, you know, Braylon Allen, they've got to get him the ball. I mean, he's averaging six yards a carry. I mean, this dude is really good. Um, and it'll be really interesting because I feel like this is the first time Ohio State will be tested really on the ground. Uh, I know Notre Dame, but Notre Dame is terrible. Um, and they've now basically proved to be terrible. Um, but C.J. Stroud and them are obviously really good on the offensive side of the ball. Um, this spread is crazy, though. I mean, I get it, but 19-point spread uh, for the Wisconsin game. Um, what What have you seen? How do you think they get beat? Yeah, sorry, you cut out there for a sec. But um, are you talking about Ohio State? Yeah, how did Ohio State um, – how do you think they've looked and then how do you think they can get beat this year? Yeah, I think Ohio State's defense has looked better than expected. You're coming off of a 77-21 point win over Toledo. So your offense has got to be feeling pretty good after putting up 77 points against an FBS program. But after the opening week against Notre Dame, the defense stood out to me as being, you know, pretty decent. Now the 10 points they gave to Notre Dame probably looks, you know, not as impressive right now, given where Notre Dame's gone from after week one. But this team still has uh, a lot of good depth, and their offense is still very explosive. I think Arkansas State putting up 45 points and Toledo 77 has helped jumpstart this offense a little bit after their, well, we'll call it a little bit sluggish against Notre Dame 21-point performance. But I think that's what a lot of people are projecting when the line is at 19, or the spread is at 19, uh, 19 points against Wisconsin this week. I think a lot of people are projecting Jackson Smith and Jigba to uh, hopefully, is he going to be back this week? Uh, I don't know. I was, I saw something where they were maybe holding him out. Uh, they were kind of seeing if like a need be basis, um, but I don't, I don't know if he will uh, be back this week. So yeah, I think I wouldn't be surprised if he plays some snaps um, just to give him some sort of uh, – just to get him out there a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised just because of the depth they have. But their offense is moving the ball a lot more crisply now. And I know it takes a couple weeks into the season to be able to do that. But I think a lot of people are projecting that. 
especially because I don't think Wisconsin's defense is as stout as it has been in years past. And they don't set up as well. And you know this as well. They don't set up as well for the air raid as they do for, you know, putting seven, eight guys in the box and daring you to run it. So uh, I think I think just defensive scheme and offensive scheme is, I, I guess, a big uh, a big discrepancy in terms of why it's a 19-point spread. But Ohio State's going to go out there. I think they're going to take care of business. Uh, they got Rutgers and Michigan State coming up after Wisconsin. So uh, Michigan State hasn't really turned out to be everything that people have expected. I know it's only a couple weeks to the season, but I think Ohio State is just going to really try and uh, push the air raid game down the next uh, down the Big Ten's throat over the next few weeks. So I would expect that to happen, and I think they're going to be clicking on all cylinders. So I don't know if 19 points um, is in the cards for Ohio State, but it very well could be. It could also be double that, just seeing the way that this offense has performed the past couple weeks. So we never know. Yeah, Najigba is playing. He played a couple snaps last week. Uh, That's what I th- I thought he did, but I was I was wanting to make sure that yeah. he was full go. That that explains why it's a nineteen point spread, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I mean, he only had two catches for thirty yards um, in the in the win last week, but obviously that's uh, that's not really much. He probably just was playing a couple snaps just to get some rust off his wheels after uh, getting hurt the first game. Um, yeah. Let's talk about two Pac-12 storylines here real quick. Um, USC, Oregon State. Oregon State. Um, USC only six-point favorite over an unranked team. Uh, I know Oregon State looks re- – they looked really good. They've played really well. Um, I think USC – I think USC covers by quite a bit. I don't think Oregon State's ready for the offense that USC has, uh, and being able to keep up will be a question. Um, And then the possibility of Brian Harson leaving Auburn to go to Arizona State. Um, I think that is 100% in the cards. I feel like he is ready to get back to the Southwest. I think he's either – you know, going to head back in some form or fashion. And I think Auburn will welcome that. Uh, I think Auburn made the wrong hire. I don't think he's a bad coach at all. I just do not think Auburn's expectations are unrealistic. They fired Gus Malzahn after a great run. Gus Malzahn uh, knew what it took. Um, And the guys who Auburn wants do not want to go to Auburn because Auburn is a bunch of crazy people. Um, but that's just my opinion. I think Brian Harson should be your number one call. If, I mean, it's Matt rule. If it's not and Matt rule probably will not come to Arizona state. Um, Arizona state is not a better job. Uh, obviously Auburn might be a, a good job for him because he's a program builder. He's a good, you know, a great coach, but, there's no guarantee that he will make it through the season with the Panthers. He'll probably come back to college, but we'll have to see. Um, kind of Oregon State, USC, and then what do you think about their the appealing uh, stuff of the Arizona State job? Yeah, one, Oregon State, I think spread six and a half. I think that is going to be a good game. And I think playing, if this was at USC, I think USC would blow them out. I think at Corvallis, you know, in Oregon State, I think it's going to be a tough game 
for USC, and I, I could see them coming out sluggish and it being close down the line. Uh, I don't think Oregon State's going to win this game, but I could definitely see it being within one or two possessions. Um, as for the Arizona State job, I agree with you. I think Brian Harson would be a great candidate. Uh, Matt Rule has to be number one on the radar right now. Uh, Dave Aranda is doing a great job with Baylor, so he's not going to go back there. And I think Nebraska would maybe be the number I, – I, I go back and forth between Arizona State and Nebraska. What would be – I would prefer Arizona State. Nebraska now. Nebraska right now. I, that's what I'm saying. Nebraska would be the right now move. But uh, I I'm hearing that Matt Rule would be a candidate there. And I've also seen Lance Leopold from uh, Kansas is another good candidate for the Nebraska job. But, I mean, for Arizona State, I'm seeing Matt Rule – Byron Leftwich has picked up traction, but I think an underrated candidate would be Dan Mullen. Yeah, I like the Dan Mullen, but I also like Ted Munkin. Yeah. Uh, offense coordinator from Georgia. I think he's ready to lead a team again. Uh, he had a failed stint at Southern Miss, but I really think he's turned, you know, Stetson Bennett into a really good player. Uh, obviously, Stetson Bennett was – decent before but he has definitely found another level with Ted Munkin as his offense coordinator um and that for me would be enough if I was Arizona State to say I think it'll be a popular job especially with the Pac-12 kind of in disarray Mm -hmm. uh, because I think I mean I honestly think the Pac-12 and the Big 12 will end up merging uh I do um at some point I think, you know, teams like West Virginia, um, the Eastern teams in the Big 12 uh, could possibly go to another conference, but I think eventually they will merge. Uh, Big 12 commissioner said he wants to move west. Uh, Moving west is a good idea, but obviously you're going to have to take some of the bigger fish in the pond that the Pac-12 wants too. Um, But, yeah, I, I really think it is a decent job. Uh, her, but the problem is, is who do you want to lead your team out of NCAA sanctions? Uh, that's the question. Yeah. Got to get a guy who's clean as a whistle. You got to get a guy who's not been associated with anything, kind of like Tennessee did with, you know, with Hypo. I mean, some people said, well, we didn't really like the hire, but you got the cleanest, squeakiest guy to come yeah. in and place a dirt bag. Um, that's really what you did. That's the big and small. Uh, and that's exactly why I didn't put Urban Meyer out there. <laughs> well, I think Urban Meyer to Nebraska is actually probably going to get some traction. Oh, that's definitely going to get traction. They'll just have to sign a ridiculous contract for it. But I think they'll do it. I think if you told me, you know, right now, if I could have Urban Meyer, let's say it's going to have to be more than saving. It's going to be probably $15 million a year. You know, give me five years. You would have to sign him to a five-year contract because he's going to try and do it for two years. They're suck, and he's going to quit. He'll retire. Yeah. And that's not what you want. You want a five-year. You know you got to have him for five years. I think he's a good option. I think, you know, as far as the Big Ten goes, I mean, he – I mean, he's one of the best coaches of all time. You know, as far as accolades, coaching, um, 
NFL, obviously not. But uh, yeah, no. he carries a lot of baggage from last year, um, his whole debacle with the Jaguars. But that just wasn't ever meant to be. Uh, that was terrible. Um, but I, I, I think Nebraska needs to give everything they've got into Matt Rule and Urban Meyer. Um, and they're – I mean, they have the donors to do it. Um, it'll just be interesting to see who that third candidate is. Most jobs have three candidates, and it's going to be who who would leave where they're at to go to Nebraska as that candidate. Um, I don't think Lance Leopold is leaving. I think he is going to stay in Kansas at least for at least to get through this year. I mean, I not think th- I think Lance might stay for the long term. Yeah, I, uh, and people people might disagree, but let's be honest, he probably has the most job security outside of Nick Saban and Kirby Smart of any other coach in the nation right now. Yeah, uh, just just based on what he's accomplished in less than two years. Yeah, one spring. He's had one spring with his team. Yeah. Um, he's a great coach. You know, obviously, D3 level and at Buffalo. They're obviously really good. Um, the problem with Nebraska is, is how hard it is to recruit people to come to play at Nebraska. It's got the, you know, the years of um, – in the 90s, I mean, they've got the legacy program part. Um, but – and they will spend the money. Well, 100% spend the money. Um, you know who would be an interesting candidate at Nebraska? He doesn't fit the mold great, and he's not, you know, he's kind of outside the box. But I think the ceiling for Lane Kiffin at Nebraska is super high. Um, I think Ole Miss has spent every dime they're going to spend on their football program. Uh for Lane Kiffin. Um, and I think that the SEC is obviously harder to win in than the Big Ten. Um, but I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that? Do you think I think there's potential for it. and I, But I think, I think the, the wheels are already turning for Lane Kiffin to go somewhere else uh, sometime soon, within the next couple of years. Because it's exactly what you just said. Ole Miss has spent what they're going to spend. I think they've hit probably their ceiling that they're going to hit over at Ole Miss with him under the helm there. And I think he wants to take advantage of where his stock is at right now. So I wouldn't be surprised. I do think there's going to be more uh, – I think there's going to be more teams. I think there's going to be more you know vacancies opening up here, especially by the end of the year. I mean, it's we've never seen this. It's It's become a trend over the past couple of years that coaches get fired now within the first, you know, two to three weeks of the season, whereas it used to be, you know, a decade ago where they would wait till the end of the season. But I think the coaching carousel starts, and it's, it starts, quite frankly, after week one. So it's, it's going to be difficult to keep up with for a little bit, but I think he's holding out for a, a, a larger position. And you never know, it could be Nebraska if they just offer him the bag and say, hey, here's the keys to the kingdom. But I think he's holding out for something bigger. And I don't know what that's going to be yet. Be I don't know if that's a long-term thing with, you know, Nick Saban possibly if he went to Bama. But I think I think the, the wheels are moving for Lane Kiffin for something over the next 
two or three years to where he takes a big-time position he knows is going to open up. Well, I think Ryan Day will be the coach of the Panthers next year. That's me. Um, I think he's going to the NFL um, after C.J. Howard. I mean, this is this is his national championship year. If he doesn't win one this year, I think he I think this is the best team they're going to have for a while um, as far as top-to-bottom talent. Um, I think he leaves to go to the NFL after this year. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And that's where the interesting part comes in to the Ohio State-type look, and I think it's Luke Fickle. I mean, I do. I think he will be the head coach at Ohio State for a long time. Uh, that's just me. But Yeah. I think it's a very reasonable assumption. All right. Well, is there anything else you'd like to talk about before we sign off? No. Let's wrap up. Go Vols and uh, ready. looking forward to a exciting weekend of college football. Yeah, it'll be a great weekend. Uh, obviously, we had a good kickoff to football this week uh, with the game last night uh, with the Steelers and the Browns. Um, George Pickens is him. Yeah, George Pickens looked really good. Uh Everybody's blaming Mitch Trubisky, but if the Steelers wide receivers could catch balls that hit him in the hands, uh, they wouldn't be blaming him for much. No. But, yeah, we'll see. It'll be a good week of college football, so um, and hopefully NFL too. So um, thank you guys for listening, and uh, have a great day.